All right, everybody, now's the time. Brown right, motion, tailback slant. Let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for fucking dinner, all right? On one, ready? Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra Studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. And uh, just when you thought you knew what was going on in the NFL, week three happened. <laughs> for example, let this sink in. The Cleveland Browns have a better record than the New England Patriots. It is bizarro land. Uh, in this episode, we're going to cover our regular weekly picks, got Andy's total prop tease, news of the week, we get a visit from the commish, and we're going to debut a new segment of listener mail. Uh, But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central is Andy, the prognosticator Attridge. How you doing, Matty? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you doing? I'm good. You're indeed correct. That was a a weird week. Um, I was looking forward to week three because it was going to be the week where we found out who was for real and who isn't. I'm not sure if we're quite there yet. Uh, but just going through well, going through the numbers, we were uh, nine and six against the spread, which Actually, is pretty good. Actually, let, let me let me stop you there. For the listeners who listened last week, it was our most disagreeable episode. But I was on the losing side of more of those uh, disagreements than not. So let's say Andy went nine and six last week against right. the spread. I, I wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, that is what had happened. Uh, I called the Bills to cover. Um, I certainly didn't expect an outright win, um, especially by 19 points. Or, oh, sorry, no, it was more than that. It was 21 points. And uh, we picked it. I was on the right side with Indy. I was on the right side with Arizona. So there's a couple dogs that covered. It was more of a typical, what I would consider, wise guy NFL weekend. So that was, that was fun to watch. Um, so a few things happened. Tiger Woods wins for the first time in five years. Yeah, the big cats back, back on the prowl. Yeah, yeah, and uh, another thing happened uh, for the first time in five years, and that was that the Detroit Lions had a rusher that went for more than 100 yards. That was, of course, Carry-On Johnson, which begs the question, Matty, do you think when he gets on the team flight, he checks any of his luggage? Uh, It's all carry-on for sure. (laughs) Um, And as I mentioned, yeah, the Bills blow at the Vikes. You know, despite being a 16 and a half point underdog, which is the that's the largest wagering upset in the NFL on a side in 23 years. And last but not least, the Browns win for the first time in 635 days. mentioned earlier that means that the browns do have a better record than the patriots another interesting point before last week no team in the history of the league had a record of one one and one after week three now we've got four teams minnesota green bay pittsburgh and of course cleveland the most important thing however is that roger goodell did get his wish with scores like 35 23 38 to 27, 30 to 27, and of course the overtime thriller in Hotlanta that ended with a Saints touchdown making the final score 43 to 37. So he's getting those big scores, but at what expense, Maddie? 
I'll, I'll tell you this. They've really, I, I've said this every, every week thus far. You, you've got to get rid of the roughing the passer call where you're landing on the quarterback. Like, everybody knows I hate the Packers, but even I have to admit, after watching the couple, uh, couple flags that Clay Matthews has gotten, they, they, he's just been robbed. I mean, if you are calling uh, his tackles uh, on the quarterback uh, illegal, then why don't just put him in a red shirt, the quarterbacks, that is. Uh, why don't you just put him in a red shirt and, you know, they can't be hit or put flags on him? Because really, I know you want to keep the guys that are the big paying stars in the league, but to do it at the complete expense of one complete facet of the game, which is defense... That is the most misguided uh, penalty we've ever seen. You're absolutely right. I, I can't think of one rule change that has affected the complexion of the game more so than this one, just after three weeks of watching. Yeah, it's disgusting. Right. As a it's former not, defensive it's not player. Football. Yeah, as a former defensive player, it just makes me want to puke every time I see it called. Well, I, you know, we, we, all, we often joke about this league becoming a flag football league. Well, it already is, and I'm not talking about you know, flags on the guy's uniform, talking about the laundry that comes out of the ref's back pocket. We're seeing too many of those, and it's unnecessary. It's certainly affecting the flow of the game, but, you know, if they want a high-scoring game and no defense, well, that's what you're going to get. I don't know I don't know what sort of traction you're going to get as far as viewership and audience 10 years down the road with that because um, it looks a lot more like a basketball score than it does a football score, but that's where we are. And I guess, you know, from a wagering standpoint, uh, I still don't think that Vegas has caught up uh, in terms of the totals. I think there's a lot more overs uh, percentage-wise than there has been in years past. But, you know, and it's not even necessary. It, it's not necessary for the league to do this. There's a lot to be excited about in this league. For example, this, this week, four to the five rookie quarterbacks that were drafted this year are likely going to be starting. So that's, you know, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, and Josh Allen for Buffalo. And you're also seeing records being smashed. Drew Brees, uh, you know, most completions. In NFL history. Patrick Mahomes. In NFL history, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, uh, three-week three touchdown tally of 13. No interceptions. That's a record. Ryan Fitzpatrick for throwing over 400 yards in three consecutive games. Now, these are obviously offensive stats, but there's been some historic contracts signed by defensive players. And most importantly, betting is legalized. This game did not become popular because of its violence. It became popular because it lent itself well to the arena of gambling. Oh, yeah, buddy. Why do you think they have injury reports? Well, that's not exactly. Just for Johnny fan guy. That's that's for the gamblers. That's for Vegas. Yeah. Right. And they've always supported it. it. You know, they've sort of turned a blind eye to it and said, oh, no, no, we, we, we don't approve of gambling. And now they're actually calling a spade a spade. And for guys like us, this is an exciting time. I think you're getting a lot more engagement. Um, but just put a good product on the field. Anyway, let's get on to news of the week. More revelations uh, coming out on uh, Stormy Daniels' book. This is an interesting anecdote. Donald Trump urged Ben Roethlisberger to escort Stormy to her room instead of bodyguards. At the end of the night, Daniels writes that Trump suggested it wasn't a good idea for Daniels to walk back to her hotel room alone. 
She agreed, but thought it was strange that instead of sending one of their bodyguards, Trump offered Roethlisberger up to walk her to her room. At the hotel room, Roethlisberger asked if he could enter, and Stormy Daniels writes, quote, I'm really tired, I said, awkwardly holding the key card. He looked at the card until I put it in, and I didn't open the door all the way, just enough for me to slip through. As I got behind it, keeping my face out, I noticed he'd raise his hand to rest it on the door, end quote. Dude, if you can't score with a porn star after winning a Super Bowl and getting a personal introduction to her by a billionaire, I'd hang up the cleats on the dating scene. Yeah, I guess he's just not as uh, good when it comes to the hotel room door as he is in a bathroom stall. Right. And she was over the age of 18, too. So there's that that, you know, throws a wrinkle into it. Uh, too old for Big Ben. Mm-hmm. A Philadelphia Flyers forward, Yori Laterra, has reportedly been questioned by police in Finland regarding allegations he was involved in a cocaine ring. Police reportedly raided his cottage in Tampere, Finland, over the summer, but no charges have been filed. Last season was his first with the Flyers. Laterra registered three goals and five assists for eight points in 62 games. Uh, not a huge offensive production right there. I, I don't know if you remember a guy named Grant Fuhrer, but he could have scored as many points between the pipes. You give him a blow. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> All right, the Gridiron Challenge Burger. The Gridiron Challenge Burger, uh, which you can get at the Arizona Cardinals University of Phoenix Stadium, is made with five one-third pound burger patties, Five hot dogs, five bratwursts, eight slices of bacon, stay with me, eight chicken tenders, 20 slices of American cheese, 12 ounces of fries, and a tanker sauce, all stacked on a 10-inch bun. Oh, and let's not forget the veggies, lettuce, tomatoes, and pickles. If you are brave enough to go it alone and you can finish it in under an hour, you will be rewarded with a personalized Cardinals jersey and the thrill of seeing yourself on the stadium video board. With the way the Cardinals have started the season, they should allow anyone that finishes that burger to start on their offensive line. That meal should be accompanied by a suicide note. All right, time to fire it up with our weekly picks. All right, first things first on Sunday, we had to Hotlanta, where the Atlanta Falcons are five-point favorites at home against the Cincinnati Bengals, who, well, they turned back into the Cincinnati Bengals last week, didn't they? <clears throat> they certainly did, and it's a tough spot for them playing back-to-back -back road games, especially when they're going into um, they're going into a dome situation, which obviously favors Atlanta. Um, and they're doing so without their starting center, and they're also doing it without running back Joe Mixon. So it's going to put a lot of pressure on Giovanni Bernard. Uh, they, they've got two legitimate weapons at tight end now. Um, but I just don't trust Andy Dalton. And more importantly, I don't trust his coach, Marvin Lewis, on the road. And I think when you're getting this line at anything under a touchdown, it's considered a gift. Now, let me qualify that. Atlanta's defense is banged up and... You saw them give up 43 points to the Saints, but that's Drew Brees. I think Atlanta can score a lot of points here, but I also see Cincinnati 
scoring as well. I just think that this is going to be a, a highfalutin shootout, but with Atlanta winning decisively. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I'm with you there. Atlanta needs this one after a, a really tough overtime loss last week. They got to right the ship, and uh, they're in the right place to do it at home in the dome and against a team like Cincinnati. I'd, uh, I agree with you. It's a gift, anything under a touchdown. Well, it'd be hard to imagine them starting the, the season one and three. So. Let's move along to a city that begins with the letter C, ends with the letter O, and in the middle is Hickok. The Bears. Bears. So you've got the Bears now at home as three-point favorites. Whew. Doesn't happen too often. What do you think about this one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Well, first things first, let's me, let, let me get to the Tampa Bay side of things where uh, I've already heard uh, some of the national pundits out there, uh, Jason Whitlock, I'm looking at you, who are saying that Jameis Winston needs to get the start now because Fitzmagic has come back down to earth. Um, Jameis Winston couldn't hit sand if he fell off a camel. And uh, Fitzpatrick, yeah, three interceptions on three straight passes. But also when you expect your quarterback to throw for over 400 yards every game, that's fucking horrible play calling. You need a running game to keep some of the DBs and the linebackers honest. I don't know how many times I have to say this. If you're going to line up against Chicago, I don't give a shit if you got Joe Montana coming out of retirement and all of a sudden he's got his prime form. If you've got the Bears defense barreling down on you and they don't have to respect the run at all, you are going to be crushed. Now, I think that that Ryan Fitzpatrick should get the start. It's not about, you know, what he has to do to keep the job. It's what he has to do to lose the job. And throwing for over 400 yards three weeks straight, to me, that doesn't uh, have you losing a job at quarterback in the NFL. The other side of the ball, though? Well, oh, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, you saw the comeback at the end of the game against the Steelers. If that game went another five minutes, I swear to God, the Bucks would have won, right? Yeah. Uh, they have offensive weapons. Now, there is nothing more than I would love to see, and it's not going to happen, but for Jameis Winston to line up under center and in the first quarter get a nice little Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith sandwich, take him out of the game, in comes Fitzpatrick and puts on a clinic. Now, I don't wish for injuries of football players. That's just not something that I, I like to see. I do, however, like some retribution for sexual uh, assaulters. Yeah. So he falls under that category. Yeah, Winston gets a little rapey. And I've got a little problem with your man Mitch. Mitchell doesn't uh, put up a lot of points, and he doesn't play terribly well. Yeah, Mitchell doesn't get a lot of good play calling as well, though. I hate it when NFL coaches treat quarterbacks like check down people. The guy never throws deep, and if you don't stretch the field, just like if you don't have a running game, if you don't stretch the field, the defense gets to sit on a lot of those short out passes, hitches, those kind of things. 
I'm not saying Mitch Trubisky's the greatest quarterback in the world because he is far from it. But the play calling that he gets is pretty lackluster. Well, I think it's it's Nagy that's doing the play calling there, right? Oh yeah. And that's not cool. A head coach should not be calling offensive plays. Head coach should be Agreed. managing the whole game. And yes, they have a great talents in the backfield with, with Cohen and, and Howard. We know what their defense is all about. I would be surprised if these guys scored more than 17 points, um, unless they get some production off the defense. And I kind of think the Tampa Bay, just the offensive weapons that are available to them, um, they can overcome that pretty quickly. And I'm actually going to take the Buccaneers on the road as plus three-point underdogs, rather. Yeah, I'm going to abstain. I don't like. Uh, I actually never bet for or against the Bears, even though I talk about them on this show. They are my favorite team, and as a result, I never bet against the teams that I love. Uh, I never bet for them either. So uh, I never bet to, uh, on Bears games. I never bet on Cubs games, and I never bet on Leaf games. It's probably a good thing I didn't bet on Leaf games up until. I was going to say you probably saved yourself a lot of money not <laughs> doing that, unless you're betting on. Well, actually, no, they they were, they covered the spread quite a, quite a few times. So they got over 100 points last season, so yeah, good for them. All right. Uh, oh. yeah, well, let's go to Lambo, the frozen tundra. Not so frozen. God, you gotta feel sorry for Buffalo, man. And I don't mean because they won last week. That was awesome to watch. Uh, but they had to play San Diego at home two weeks ago. Then they had to go into Minnesota, play them on the road last week. And then they got to go into Green Bay and play them on the road. And I'm looking at this 10-point line going, uh, they're not getting no respect. Uh, Josh Allen put on a goddamn clinic against what's considered a fairly good defense in Minnesota. Well, wait a second here. Let's not. Uh, yeah, Josh Allen deserves some credit. How about the fucking Bills defense last oh, week? Oh, absolutely. Two timely turnovers in the first, yeah. quarter, first quarter. Uh, I mean, that's what started the, the snowball rolling down the hill. Yep. And the wheels just fell off for Minnesota after that. And it was just one of those games. Like, it's just not your day, right? Just not your day, which is fine. I don't think Minnesota's certainly that bad. And I, I don't think that Buffalo is certainly that good. But they certainly picked up a lot of confidence for uh, a team who most people picked as the worst in the league coming in to week one. Uh, and still a lot of people don't think fairly highly of them. I certainly don't. But again, 10 point underdogs. This is a professional football team. And in fact, I'm going to make the argument that Aaron Rodgers' leg is getting worse the more he plays. I agree. I don't think Rodgers has been right since week one, and I know he's trying to gut it out and mad props to him for doing it. But I think he needs a few weeks off. And what would also help the cause if they had a proper rushing attack, which they don't. They don't. Um, I could be way off basis. Could be a 31 to 10 blowout, but I, I, I'm, I'm keeping my money with Buffalo to keep it close. All right, on to Dallas, where Big D are three-point favorites against the uh, Detroit Lions. And, man, after last week, 
I gotta wonder why that is this one of those three point lazy lines with Dallas at home because I Dallas is what scored four touchdowns in three games. Yeah, they haven't done a lot uh, scoreboard wise. I, I I don't know. It's it's pretty hard to put this line at anything else. Dallas plays well at home. We know that. And Detroit, it, like we've seen three totally different games from them, right? You know, they got stunned on Monday night against the Jets in the uh, season opener. And then they keep a game against San Francisco within a field goal. They did end up losing. And then they put on the clinic against the hoodie. So you've seen sort of three different teams. Which one's going to show up in Dallas? I don't know, but I know the team that um, is going to be wearing the star on their helmet. I know what that looks like. And that's an anemic offense. Got a trivia question for you here, Maddie. Sure. In Dak Prescott's last five games, going back into last season, what do you think his highest uh, yardage passing is in one game? Two twenty-five. One hundred and eighty-one is the wow. top watermark, and he hasn't eclipsed one hundred and seventy-one this season. So awesome. they got no running. It, well, they got an awesome running game. They got but no they don't game. use them. They don't use Ezekiel Elliott. They haven't used them all year. I don't know why Jason Garrett still has a fucking job. If you've got a guy like <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield, fucking Jared, Jared Jones is too busy with his fucking glory hole shit. I want me some glory hole. To want to <laughs> actually look at his team. They should be running the ball and giving yeah, Dak no, some timely passes. Instead, they're letting... Dak just throw it all over the field willy-nilly. It's brutal. Well, they, um, Jerry Jones missed a golden opportunity uh, signing Dak to the rookie rookie quarterback contract, paying him almost nothing. And, and what did he fill the rest of the roster with? Nothing. Um, they've lost more good players than they've acquired. Most definitely. Uh, and I, I <laughs> again, it's not that I think that uh, Dallas's defense is good. They're they're fairly solid. Yep. And I think even if we get an average performance out of the Lions, they'll end up scoring more points than Dallas will. I look. I don't think this game is going to go over. I think it's only posted at forty three and a half. But this is going to be like a twenty to seventeen finale. So um, I think Detroit uh, gets a lot of momentum for beating the hoodie, as opposed to a letdown spot here. Give me the Lions. Okay, to Indianapolis, uh, Indy's two-point favorites uh, as the Houston Texans come rolling into town. And uh, Indy didn't win last week, but they covered. And that's all that matters to us, baby. That is right. Well, it's, it doesn't do a lot of favors for Andrew Luck. Uh, I, when I saw this line, I was a little puzzled. I was a little puzzled. Houston, 0-3, has played like an 0-3 team. I thought they were going to come in the season a lot stronger, considering the weapons they have on defense, uh, the potential upside with Deshaun Watson, a quarterback. And they're just crap in the bed, left, right, and center. I'll give you a stat here. So the Colts are 20-5 and straight up and 17-7-1 and against the spread against AFC foes when Luck's been playing. AFC South foes, let me qualify that. And he's at home, and he's in a comfortable spot. And last week was a game they could have easily won. They were right on the goal line in the last drive, and he gets sacked. Uh, it wasn't fair, but uh, this is – I didn't have to didn't have to think about this one too long. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I'm certainly taking the Colts at home. 
Yeah, I'm taking the Colts at home as well. Uh, real quickly, though, what did you think of the fact that uh, they got to bring the backup in to throw the long ball uh, on the Hail Mary? It looks like that that's a telling thing right there that Andy well, Luck can't Jacoby stretch Brissett the field has right an now. Awesome. Jacoby Brissett has an awesome arm to be I don't with. care. If, well, you if your starting quarterback cannot throw the fucking ball deep, that's a problem. Uh, let's look at what Peyton Manning did two years ago in Denver. He couldn't yeah. throw it more than 15 yards, and he got a Super Bowl ring out of yeah, it. Yeah, that's Peyton Manning, and he's like a surgeon when he dissects a defense. No, I Andrew understand. Luck, that. not quite there. All right, by so the way, Andrew I agree Luck's with not you. 100%. I'll, I agree with take you. Andrew Luck at 90% yeah. over 28 oh. quarterbacks in the league. I agree with you 100%. I think Indy's going to win this game. I just it, was, it, was it was probably really a little bit embarrassing for Luck to watch Brissett yeah. come on the field and do that. Yeah. But whatever. These things happen. All right, Jacksonville is at home this week, and uh, coming into Saxonville, the suddenly shitty New York Jets are there, and uh, Jacksonville seven and a half point favorites at home. Buddy, I think we should take a road trip sometime down to Jacksonville so we can hang out in that pool that they have in the upper deck. Would uh, love it. That, I don't know if you've seen that thing. Pardon? I would love it. Yeah, that would be awesome. We could sip margaritas and watch the game. I wonder, if our wives, I wonder if our wives would love seeing us on national TV with uh, some hotties with big boobs in the tub. Uh, maybe there would be a blackout that week. <laughs> yes, guy. Uh, well, here's a Good thing Mrs. Buller and Mrs. Attridge don't listen to the show, eh? <laughs> I can guarantee my wife doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> um, so the, sorry, the last five... Last five times these two teams have played each other, the Jets were outright victors in four of them. And I'm sorry, Jacksonville, I I realize that beating the Patriots was sort of like their Super Bowl, and they came down to earth, okay? They scored six points last week, and yeah. the, now they're seven-and-a-half-point favorites. And the Jets, they've got a lot of firepower if, if they can tap into it properly with, with Darnold. And I guarantee you they're going to keep this one a hell of a lot closer than seven and a half points. I, I, I don't think they're going to win outright, but um, I'm certainly going with the J-E-T-S to cover. Yeah, this will be the second week in a row where I somewhat buy the Jets hype. I'm with you. I think the Jets cover, but there's no way they win on the money line in Jacksonville. But yeah, they'll keep it close. This is going to be a real low-scoring game. Well, that's what a lot of teams said about Tennessee last week, and look what happened. Yeah, true that. Christ, they didn't even score a touchdown and they beat them. Anyway, let's. Uh, we're going to have to talk about this at some point, so let's get it over with now. Yeah. San Francisco 49ers at the LA Chargers. Um, Chargers 10.5 point favorites. Now, well, this is, when I this saw has... this one on the docket at the beginning of the year, I was like, oh, this is going to be a good matchup. California. Oh, no. Yeah, are no, you wearing Jimmy are, are you wearing black in mourning this week for your Jimmy G buddy? You know what? I just had going into the season. I had a feeling like something this was going to happen. I was like, the, the worst thing, possible, worst possible thing, was for him to get injured. And the way he got injured pissed me off more than anything else because he could have avoided that injury altogether had he just gone out of bounds. Yeah, get out of and bounds, I'm, right? For all you kids out there listening, just. You know, a couple extra yards here and there isn't going to make a big difference, especially when your whole team season is on the line. So, enter C.J. Bethard. Well, 
I'm not going to, there's not a whole bunch of accolades to cite to the guy, but he does know the playbook very well. In fact, he's had more time with that playbook than Garoppolo did. And it's a, it's a very complex playbook. And they've been listening all week. Oh, their season's out the window now. It, they're done. There's no possible way that these guys are going to do anything. They should just be hoping for a first-round jump. No, they've got too much pride there. And I think their defense is going to pick it up um, in the slack that uh, Garoppolo left in the offense. And again, I don't think that they're going to necessarily win. But a double-digit spread in their same state, like this is this is in the Chargers little building, right? This is in their little exhibition place where they hold about, I don't know, sixteen thousand people on an average Sunday. Yeah, Texas high school football right there. And it's gonna you're gonna have more San Francisco fans there than you are Charger fans. So this it's not like this is a huge away game for them. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm going with the 49ers to cover here. I agree with you that uh San Fran is gonna look to uh keep it close here, but uh, Philip Rivers and company are playing some really good football right off the hop this week. Uh, I expect it to continue. San Francisco's defense has been eh, come see, come saw, as our French listeners will know, uh, which means eh, a little bit good, a little bit bad. I could see the Chargers uh, covering 10.5 points, so I guess this will be uh, one where we disagree this week. You've got mail. It's time for a new segment. We've got uh, listener mail. Yeah, we're starting to get mail from our listeners. And uh, yeah, if you ever want to uh, get us your thoughts, hit us up on our Facebook page or uh, get us on almostwiseguys at gmail.com. And our first listener to email us uh, is uh, got the handle old 20 blue jersey. Oh, Barry Sanders reference, obviously a Lions fan. Before we get to his question, uh, question, I just suggest getting a box of Kleenex for the regular season, and then possibly a gas oven to stick your head in for the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, come on, Andy. He's uh, take the time to reach us. Let's at least answer his question thoughtfully, and it is as follows: Do you guys think that using in-play betting is a good tool to hedge your bet? Well, that's a that's an excellent question. Um, obviously, with the legalization now. Uh, in many states, this type of action is going to become increasingly popular to the point where I think you're going to see as much, if not more, in-game action than you are pre-game action, Um, especially when people can access their sports books remotely through an app or their computer. One of the key parts of his question, is it a good tool to hedge your bet? Well, hedging is an interesting subject. Um, for those listeners who didn't have an accounting background, there's a concept called sunk costs. And once you place your bet at the at the wicket, that's money you're not going to get back. So in-play betting should not be based on what you've done before. Um, make an in-play bet if you think it's going to win. And I'll, and I'll tell you the difference between the two. Uh, prior to a game, you've got a group of experts, sharp experts experts setting these lines and they're human beings and they factor in weather conditions injury reports a whole home versus away records all these factors in play betting is done by a computer on algorithms just because the the time frame is so short for them to come up with a line for play by play so you're now going against a computer versus a human and i really think your edge is against the computer because they can't 
they can't track all those factors simultaneously. Uh, I think if you're watching a game and you get an understanding of the flow for it, that's a better way. Like you could see, you could tell on Monday night when Pittsburgh got that big lead, you know, three scores, and then you saw Tampa Bay sort of inching their way back in. It was like, oh my gosh, nope, not going to bed yet, not going to bed yet. And you can tell if you'd have done an in-play bet, you could probably have got Tampa Bay at 14, plus 14 and a half at one point. So if you're watching the game and you can get a good understanding of the flow, absolutely go against it. But another another thing to consider if you want to hedge, a lot of these in-play or prompt bets that you're doing during the game time, the juice is jacked up to minus 120. So long-term, they're not, they don't hold as much value as pregame betting. Um, so I wouldn't use it to hedge, but absolutely, um, in in play betting can be a lot of fun, and it can also be very lucrative if if you're you're following the game closely. Our next letter comes from a listener nicknamed the Reverend. Well, maybe it's a real Reverend looking to spend some of that money people have been donating every week. Yeah, that's right, Maddie. Father Flanagan is looking for advice from Austin whether he should tease the Chiefs or the Jets on the road this week. Doubtfully. It's probably just a guy who likes to chirp a lot on Sundays. Anyway, his question is as such. Can the undefeated Dolphins hand the Patriots their third straight loss? Ooh, well, I guess that gets to our next game, too. It does. It does. And right now, the Patriots are sitting at uh, favorites of six and a half points. And they are at home in Gillette Stadium. They are at home in Foxborough slash Gillette slash whatever the hell you want to call it, Stadium. But these divisional games, sometimes Miami does all right in these divisional games. Um, sometimes they do, but when they when they do, it's usually in Florida. Yes. And the Pats have won and covered uh, in their last five straight home games against the Fish. Now, on paper, I think the Dolphins are a superior team. And had this game been, was it, if it had been played on a neutral site, this line would have looked a lot closer to a pick em. Maybe one, one and a half in favor of the Patriots. So the question is, does Gillette Stadium offer a six-point advantage? And I'm going to say no, at least not this year. Um, the Patriots are averaging five yards of play on offense, which is horrible they haven't done that in over 15 years and their defense is atrocious oh well it was atrocious last year at this time and they they righted the ship but no matt patricia there uh, to be responsible for it one thing we do have to note here is an injury on the dolphins defensive core and that is linebacker william hayes out with an acl do you know why he's out maddie no he was taking a shot at the quarterback and tried to avoid getting the uh, new revised interpretation of the rule and tried not to get the flag and in doing so hurt his leg and now he's up for the season. Yeah, another reason why that rule needs to uh, go the way of the dodo. Yeah, so back to answer the original question from the Reverend, I absolutely think that Miami can win. Um, I th- I'm comfortable taking them on the point spread. If you want to... If you want to add a little bit on the money line, sure. I wouldn't take it to the bank. It is it is Brady and Belichick at home, and we know what their record looks like. Um, last week, well, look at the record after a loss. Well, now we're in sort of uncharted territory. What's the record after two, two consecutive double-digit losses? I don't think such a stat exists, but um, 
Yeah, Miami's not going to be the worst pick. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't throw your money away on the money line, but if you want to have a bit of fun, go nuts. Yeah, stay away from the money line on this one, but I definitely would take the Dolphins with the spread. Uh, six and a half points for this Patriots team might be a little too much to overcome. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you why as well, because there's, um, there's a guy that they got, uh, Devontae Baker, who is a linebacker. The guy's just playing lights out for Miami right now. And then they brought in a kid this year. Uh, his last name is Fitzpatrick. And he's a safety. And I think those two guys are going to double-team Gronk. And once you take away Gronk, there's not a lot left over um, to be moving the ball around. And I think that's going to be a, an effective double-team matchup. So watch for that. Fitzpatrick and uh, and Baker. All right, off to Tennessee, where uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and Carson Wentz are coming to town. And Tennessee, four-point underdogs at home. Yeah, again, when I saw this line, I was like, really? Titans have won seven of the last eight games at home. And Philly has admittedly looked a little shaky this season, despite the fact that they had just won the Super Bowl a few months ago. I think Vrabel is doing a great job as the Titans' new head coach. He's got their defense playing well. Um, I think he's a great fit for Mariota. It looks like Mariota is going to be starting this week, even if it's Gabbard. It's kind of one of those things. Who cares? Um they just got that type of offense that's going to that's gonna go forth anyway. Um, the only sort of red flag for me is Rashard Matthews, a wide receiver. Their top wide receiver for the last two seasons has asked to be traded, and apparently he's not showing up to practice this week, um, which seems to be a trend throughout the league. Guys just not showing up when they need to. Kind of drives me nuts. That's like high school football. Oh, hey, coach, I got too much homework. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm not feeling well. Get the fucking practice. That's what you get paid for. Well, Earl Thomas, same thing, right? He goes, even if I have a headache, I'm not showing up. They're, they're, these guys aren't investing in me. Now, he got two interceptions against the Cowboys last week, so he's still producing on Sunday. But, no, nah, just, I don't know. So that might be a big distraction. But he's not been, he's not been getting many reps, and he's not been getting many percentage of, uh, of snaps this year. So it's not going to be a huge detriment for them right now. I love Tennessee at home. Uh, with the four points, holy cripes. Uh, Philadelphia has been struggling to put numbers up on offense. Carson Wentz, I'm going to guess that a lot of that rust after last game has come off. He's probably going to be a little bit more prolific in throwing downfield this week. But God forbid, man. Like You saw what Tennessee did to Jacksonville right after Jacksonville beat New England. I know that was a letdown spot for them, but uh, I'm all over the Titans with this one. I'm against you this week, buddy. Uh, This one, anyway, yeah. Well, Carson Wentz, like you said, that rust is going to be knocked off a bit. And uh, two more important factors. Number one, Jay Ajayi is back in the backfield for them. And Alshon Jeffrey, uh, who I know very well as a former Bears receiver, who I can't believe we actually let go because he's one of the only guys making plays downfield. Well, he's there to make plays downfield for the Eagles. I see uh, the Eagles covering that four points in Tennessee. To the desert, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, They're taking on the uh, Seattle Shithawks, who are earning their name this year. Arizona three-point underdogs. This is going to be a pretty battle of the losers, eh? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it is. (laughs) What are your thoughts on this one? My thoughts are we're probably not going to see a lot of this on the Red Zone channel, that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, 
No, I think you, if you go down to your local drive-in movie theater, you'll see more scoring. <laughs> I, uh, I'll be honest, man. Um, I took Arizona last week against your Bears. I actually thought they had a decent chance of winning it outright. Their defense is playing well. Their offense is struggling. But if they get any sort of rhythm in offense, uh, and I'm talking to you, Mr. David Johnson, if you get if, if he gets 90 yards, I'll be happy. If Josh Rosen doesn't turn the ball over, I'll be happy. Um, and I think that's about all they need to do to beat Seattle, uh, who's going to be playing on the road again with a horrific offensive line. Um, traditionally, Seattle does fairly well against the Cards um, in Arizona, covering the last four of five such meetings. But again, there's a lot of nonsense going on in their locker room with Earl Thomas. Uh, I expect him to be traded probably by mid-October. Anyway, um, he's got uh, he's going to be a free agent after this year, so he's obviously going to have to go to a contender. He said publicly that he wants to go to Dallas. In fact, if you saw the game after his second uh, interception, he went right over to the sidelines of Dallas and gave a, uh, a professional bow with the ball behind his back. So for those reasons, I am liking the home team underdog by a field goal. Yeah, what Andy said. This game is meh. I really don't give a shit. So let's go with Andy's pick. All right. Now, if I would have told you, Matty, week four, we'd see Cleveland and the Raiders match up. And we actually had interest in the game. Wow. Yeah. Wow, indeed. So now you got uh, Oakland sitting there at a field goal favorite. A little bit of juice on Cleveland. You know what, Matty? Chucky Gruden's team, the Oakland Raiders, would be 3-0 right now. If NFL football games were 30 minutes long. Yeah. Actually, no, let me qualify that. They're the only team in the whole league this year to be winning in all three games after 45 minutes. After three quarters of play, they've held they've had the lead. And they squander it in the fourth. There's just no closeout power. <sighs> and then you got the Browns. They've lost their last 32 road games. And trust me, man, trust me. Last week was like winning the Super Bowl for them. They actually—I don't know if you heard this—they gave the game ball to their owner. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't—it's like that slow kid in class, right? Where he finally draws the picture and keeps all the crayons inside the lines, and yay! Yeah, well, Cleveland—that's like them winning this. It it was like winning the Super Bowl. They're probably still partying right now, right? Yeah, well, Um, they—they—they got a lot of free Bud Light for that win. They did. They did. Too bad it wasn't a real beer, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't dude, know. Like, I, I, there's, if this game can go two ways, Baker Mayfield could put on a damn clinic. Or he could right? shit the bed. I don't think he's going to shit the bed. Um, well, we've only seen a one-game sample size from the kid. Well, you and know, I'm not you saying a, that car is much better. We've discussed this earlier. He's the third oh, no. best car behind his brother and Eric yeah. Carr, ex-drummer from Kiss. Exactly. I'm, I just, I got a hard time picturing the Raiders starting 0 4. And I've got a really easy time picturing the Browns shitting the bed on the road. See, I'm going to dispel that notion right now. I'm going with Cleveland. And I got one word for you, brother D motherfucking fence. 
Yeah, you got yeah. Miles Garrett there. Dude, no, they and are playing their butts off on D. And if they can give Baker Mayfield the ball just a few extra times, uh, I don't think a three-point spread on the road. You know, we got to go away from trends here with Cleveland because I think we're breaking oh, new no, no, ground. Absolutely. Yeah, no, they're absolutely breaking new ground. They're probably going to be walking with a bit of a swagger, right? Um, here's another thing, which is just astonishing at this point in the season. So assuming that you're correct and they do win this game and you've got um, Cincinnati likely to lose in Atlanta, if that were to happen, they would be at the top of the AFC North ahead of Pittsburgh and Baltimore who are playing each other this week. Wouldn't that be nuts? Like you're going into October and the Browns are at the top of the division. It's I mean, bizarre I don't get me wrong. I'm I am the football fan of me is cheering for the Browns, who are definitely the underdog here, and the they're the eternal underdog. But statistically speaking, um, my my heart says Browns, but my brain says Raiders, so I'm going to go with my brain on this one. And I'm taking the Browns, so crapshoot for this one, eh? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Well, how about uh, New York? Uh, the New York Giants, three-and-a-half-point dogs against the New Orleans Saints, who uh, really came alive last week, their offense at least. Well, that was that was an exciting game to watch, to be sure. It really uh, was. If you like scoring. Well, it was you, just a good game. It was It was, it, it was and back forth. and forth. I think there was like four different lead changes in the game. Um. No, it was pretty incredible watching um, two of the best quarterbacks in the league duke it out. Um, painful to watch their defenses play, however. Um, now, oh, yeah, this I is think. the first This is the first game that New Orleans plays outside a dome. So they're going into New York. Um, not that the weather conditions are going to be anything terrible, but uh, it is a, it, it's, it's a different type of atmosphere. And this line started at, I think, three or two, even two and a half, and and now it's up to three and a half, and the Giants are underdogs at home at three and a half. Um, I know the Giants have looked horrible, but um, I think they're going to be a different team at home. Um, Saquon Barkley will shoulder a bit of the load that Eli Manning obviously cannot handle. He's not throwing the ball accurately. He's not, but they're they're very lucky to have a guy like Saquon Barkley in the backfield. Um, the receivers are starting to step up. Sterling Sharp or Sterling Shepard rather got his first touchdown last week. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna look towards the home team underdog by three and a half points, and I'm gonna be fading New Orleans. And keep in mind they played almost five quarters, right? They're gonna be a little bit tired, and as we've seen, they have no defense to speak of. Yeah, that's I think what this comes down to is defense, and uh, the New York Giants are are getting a. A little bit of a blessing here in that uh, with New Orleans' piss-poor pass defense, maybe Eli Manning can get something going to what should be a decent receiving core. And along with Saquon Barkley, who's going to keep the linebackers honest, I could see the Giants covering their three-and-a-half points uh, at home. All right, to Steel City, the... Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, the struggling Pittsburgh Steelers. Three, struggling, yeah, struggling. Three-point uh, favorites at home against uh, division rival Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, this is the uh, the old black and blue bowl. And 
we over the last decade, man, these two teams have put on some of the best tilts we've seen in football. Guys like Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, Ryan Chazier, and James Harrison. I mean, that is smash mouth football. I love watching these two teams play each other. Um, speaking of James Harrison, who's still got a chip on his shoulder about the way things ended with him in, in, in Pittsburgh, he had some unusual advice for Le'Veon Bell this week regarding his ongoing contract dispute, saying that the disgruntled running back should return to the team but fake an injury to avoid playing in games. Harrison, who endured, as I said, a messy split with the Steelers last season, was asked about Bell's situation Tuesday during an interview with FS1. For me, quote-unquote, I'd give everything at practice. You'd see, the cameras would see that I'm fine, I'm healthy. But come Saturday, something ain't right. I can't play on Sunday. Because if I go out here and mess something up, I'm losing a lot of money. And here we are, back to the daytime soap operas again with these guys. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. It literally drives me nuts when I hear stories like this. I, I used to hold James Harrison in, in the highest regard, and um, his attitude off the field is uh, nothing to be desired. Um, I don't know what that Pittsburgh Steelers locker room looks like, but certainly winning um, winning against Tampa Bay on the road, um, winning helps cure a lot of different ailments. Well, dude, what was interesting was that first half, the Steelers looked like the Steelers. Absolutely. You know, they were they even got one to Brown in there for the touchdown to maybe shut him up on the sideline. Well, yeah, but that lasted all of about a quarter and then he Ex- started barking on the sidelines again. Yeah, because in the second half they came out and acted like the Steelers of twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. I honestly I'm not sure what to make of them still after three weeks of the season. And Baltimore I don't know what to make of them either. This is like, to me, this game is a, I'm going to be staying away from it. It's a crapshoot. You may as well roll some dice. Uh, you are, I think, I think Baltimore's probably garnering a little bit more respect than they deserve. They're not a very good team away from home. And Pittsburgh is a really good team when they play at home. And I, I would have placed this line probably at four, four and a half. And I, I think that, Pittsburgh needs to be firing on all cylinders. And as I said before, if the Browns win and Cincinnati loses, Pittsburgh is not at the top of the division, even if they win this game. So, yeah, I'm going to um, I'm going to suggest that Pittsburgh wins rather decisively here. Well, you heard Andy's phone buzz there, and uh, that's because all his rowdy friends are coming over Monday night, and they're all RSVPing, and they're going to be watching the Denver Broncos at home in Mile High. Uh, They are five-point home dogs to Mahomes, KC Chiefs, and man, not just Mahomes, but that dude's got a lot of weapons to throw to. Yeah, he's uh, in a very enviable situation right now. 13 touchdowns, no interceptions after three weeks. Yeah. Bupkiss, that's awesome. 
and awesome running backs, awesome wide receiving core, awesome tight ends to Awesome throw defense. Awesome defense. Uh, an offensive line that's playing well. A coach that knows what he's doing at least for half the game. Yep. <laughs> however, however, <laughs> these two teams have seen so much of each other. Uh, man. These two teams have seen so much of each other over the last decade and a half. Uh, it's almost it's almost a, a field goal game for the home team. And normally a line like that would be set at, at three for these two teams, but it's at five, and it's at mile high. And Denver doesn't suck that much. Uh, their defense has still got everything in place. We mentioned on our, our show last week that um, Philip Lindsay, the running back, who asked Terrell Davis permission to wear his number, got high accolades from Terrell Davis, saying that he could possibly punch in more touchdowns uh, than Terrell Davis did by the end of his career. Now, the only thing that he punched in last week was a defensive player, and he got uh, he got a nice little uh, 15-yard unsportsmanlike for that. But at least he's showing some fire, you know? And now, Case the, only Keenum, thing, though, the only thing he's going to be punching this week, though, is his clown, buddy. <laughs> Casey's coming in there, and they're going to roll right the fuck over the Broncos. That's what I think. Okay, so what week is it that the wheels fall off this Chiefs bandwagon? It doesn't. I think the Chiefs are, are taking it to the AFC Championship this year. Okay, well, everyone was saying that last year at the end of September. Look yeah. what happened. Yeah. Who was their quarterback? Well, it wasn't. Yeah, it was Alex Smith. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, How's no, he no, doing no, no. this year? Well, he just beat up the Packers, didn't he? Yeah, with uh, Aaron Rodgers on one leg and with uh, Clay uh, Matthews, and with Clay Matthews getting shit call penalties. If he doesn't have that penalty call, it's a different game, my friend. Yeah, I guess it is. I'm telling you, man. Uh, I, I I just can't see it. Like, hey, man, I agree that they're not. I, I doubt they're running the table. I doubt they are. They're not but running the table. No, but I can't see the uh, I can't see the wheels completely coming off, Casey, and definitely not this week. Uh, divisional game against Denver. No way. All right. Well, I guess we're going to have to agree once again to disagree. Hopefully, these disagreements pay off for me a little better <laughs> this week than last, though. Just to warn uh, our listeners, you can't go wrong with taking home field underdogs, dude. <laughs> All right, now it's time for a visitor with our friend, the Commish. Yeah, the commissioner of my fantasy football league. Uh, he likes to come in and give his two cents worth on the fantasy game. And uh, Mr. Commish, thanks for uh, coming out and spending some time with us. Question one here. Uh, who are some good sleeper picks in this week's matchup? First, I'm going to give you a couple of quarterbacks. How about Baker Mayfield? Browns are playing at the Raiders this week, and I'm buying into the Mayfield hype, even though he's going to make his first start on the road in the black hole. Mayfield looked really good against the Jets. Should have a chance to put up some solid numbers against the Raiders defense that allowed some great fantasy points to Ryan Tannehill and the Dolphins. And how about Joe Flacco? Oh, underrated Joe Flacco of the Ravens. 
Playing the Steelers this week, the Steelers stink at pass defense, and the Ravens have gone totally pass-happy in what's going to be a rare high-scoring game between the two teams. Now, if you want to talk about the outside, how about Josh Gordon for the Patriots? They're playing the Dolphins this week. He may not play a full complement of snaps, but the Pats clearly need this guy. He's going to remain a huge red zone threat, even with limited snaps or knowledge of the playbook. Mr. Kamish, if your roster has been bitten by the injury bug for key players like a Jimmy Garoppolo, and assuming it's a keeper league, are you better off to drop the player? drop another player to pick up the injured position, or simply offer a multiplayer trade? So that's an interesting question. Earlier this season, I managed to pick up Adam Jones while he was still on suspension. Somebody else in my league needed to fill a roster spot, dumped him off. Now he's back. I've got a pretty good RB2 on my team now. So my advice is if you've got the depth, I know we're coming up to bye weeks, but if you've got the depth, hang on to what you can, or... Look for somebody else's cast off, hide them on your bench, and be ready to activate them when the time comes. Now, here's kind of an interesting one, and I'm interested in this question for my own uh, team this week. What's your strategy for activating a flex player? One of the biggest things I always consider when you're talking about a flex player is game time. When in doubt, utilize the flex spot in a starting lineup for players with afternoon or primetime games on Sunday or Monday. This is going to maximize your roster flexibility, lengthen the decision-making time in the process. Players can be taken out of the lineup if necessary prior to your kickoff. Due to the threat of injuries, maybe unforeseen weather conditions, never occupy the flex position with a player that's slated on a Thursday night matchup. If you do that, you're going to limit all future roster decisions in a week, including the ability to acquire and start a popular name off the waiver wire or the free agency pool. Now to one of our favorite new segments. It's Andy's Total Prop Tease. For those of you that don't know, this is where Andy makes a recommendation on a point total, proposition bet, and finally a teaser. Now we're going to invite our listeners to do the same thing on our Facebook page. A successful Total Prop Tease is any combo that hits two out of three. So take your Swami hat out, my friend. Give us your week one thoughts. All right, so for the total, um, I'm liking the Atlanta-Cincinnati game to go over 51 and a half. Uh, That number's ticked up a little bit from earlier in the week. Uh, But trust me, this is going to be a shootout, and you've got two teams that have forgotten how to play defense. So uh, I'd be pretty confident in taking this one to the wicket. Second, our proposition bet. uh, There's one in the Dallas game against the Lions. Um, As we mentioned earlier, I think Dallas is playing pretty good defense. So if Detroit's going to eke one out here, they're going to have to rely on their kicker, Matt Prater, who is, as far as I'm concerned, one of the better kickers in the league. And his right now, the, the number sits at his longest field goal to go over 44 and a half yards. So I like ha- him having to hit one from, uh, from the three-point line, um, going over that one. And finally, our teaser of the week. I would like to tease Cleveland, who is now at three, up to plus nine, and Jacksonville down to minus one and a half. And that one takes you through the two key numbers of three and seven points. So to recap, Atlanta, Cincinnati, over 51 and a half. Matt Prater for the Detroit Lions, as long as field goal to go over 44 and a half yards, and tease Cleveland and Jacksonville. Thank you to all of our fans for listening to episode four of Almost Wise Guys. 
If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week four games across the NFL. And don't forget, you can also email us for your listener email segment uh, at almostwiseguys at gmail.com. Special thank you to David Ward for our awesome Retro 80s theme song. And of course, to the commish for stopping by this week. From the Costa Nostra studios for Andy, the prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. How many times did you love that other man behind my back, baby? How many times did you follow him home? How many times should I take it on the chain and take it on spin, baby? How many times, how many times Out here it's colder And the sky is bigger And the trees are older And the air is clean I'm a newborn soldier With my finger on the trigger And a chip on my shoulder From the American dream Did you love that other man behind my back, baby? How many times did you follow him home? How many times should I take it on the chain and take another spin, baby? How many times? How many times? You're a supernova, getting bigger by the hour, and you're picking up power. Running on steam Always talking me over And you saw me down the river And you taste so bitter Oh, you're a perilous queen How many times Did you love that other man behind my back, baby? How many times Did you follow him home? How many times should I take it on the train and take another spin, baby? How many times? How many times? And you're picking up power Running on steam Always fucking me over And you sell me down the river And you taste so better Oh, you're a perilous queen How many times Did you love that other man behind my back, baby? How many times Did you follow him home? How many times Should I take it on the chair and take another spin, baby? How many times?